Well, hi, welcome to The Christian Contrast, where we talk about how following Jesus leads us to live differently than those in the world around us. I'm Dan here with a solo episode, and we are going to be talking in this episode about the manosphere. Now, some of you know exactly what that is. Some of you think that I just made that up. I promise I didn't make that up. Um, So here's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about the manosphere. I'm talking about mainly online influencers, podcasts, videos that go out that are specifically targeted toward men and men's issues. Uh, But it's a little bit deeper than that. Now, the Manosphere is not an official club that a bunch of podcasters joined. It's just a phrase that sort of is coined to talk about different ones. And so in in order to narrow it down and be able to talk about what's going on here, I'm going to focus in on some of the specific main videos that you'll see in what people have termed the manosphere. And here's why I want to talk about this. I want to talk about this because this has become a very viral trend in our culture. And I think that there are Christians trying to figure out what exactly to make of this, because some men and some Christian men feel very drawn to this and maybe feeling like, is is this bad? Am I not supposed to be drawn towards this? And then I think that there are other Christians who are being very dismissive of this and very sort of anti-manosphere. And there might be some things that would be helpful to know if you're seeing the negative side of this to see why this is catching so much. Um, So in order to just sort of narrow the scope of what I'm talking about here, uh, I'll bring up three specific men who I think are, are some of the most viral videos that you'll see that would be considered part of the manosphere um, in order to talk about what's going on here. Um, One is Andrew Tate, who's definitely the most famous one in the sphere. He's a former champion kickboxer, and you'll see his videos all over YouTube. Very controversial figure, currently dealing with legal issues, uh, all that kind of stuff. Um, then there's the Fresh and Fit podcast with Myron Gaines, who, again, you, you probably, if you're on YouTube frequently, you probably have seen his stuff pop up, but just not necessarily known that it's him. But he does a podcast where it's it's a lot of dating and relationship advice, but is really specifically advocating for men in it. Uh, and then there's the Whatever podcast um, with Brian Atlas as the main host of that. Um, and it's similar to Fresh and Fit. It, it Some might accuse it of even being a little bit of a copycat of Fresh and Fit. But once again, it's, it's a dating and relationships podcast, but is one where there's a lot of advocacy for men in this. Um, so, so what are we talking about? What is the what are the elements that tie these three together? I know there are others. If if you're familiar with the Manosphere, you might be like, I, I consider Jordan Peterson part of that, which in some ways he could be because while he doesn't just address men's issues, he has been somebody that a lot of men have felt drawn to. I put Jordan Peterson in a little bit of a different category for some of the reasons that I'll go through right now. And that's to say, all right, at least with these three that I'm talking about, with Myron Gaines and Andrew Tate and Brian Atlas, what what are sort of common threads? And I'll start with what I think are at least the more arguably positive common threads that show up between them. And just so you know, I have some notes here because I jotted things down. So if I'm looking down, that's what I'm looking at. I'm looking at my notes just to make sure I don't forget to say something that I think is important to say. Um, So common thread number one is that they're strong advocates for the idea that men and women are different. That plays into dating relationships, that plays into how we function in society. So they would be opposed to any movement that is sort of blurring the line between male and female and is saying, no, men and women are different. 
Um, to go along with that, they would be big advocates for the idea that men are important and that they have an important role to play in society. And so anytime you hear somebody sort of saying like, ah, what do we need men for? These guys would be the first to jump on it and say, you don't understand, we do need men in society. Um, third common thread is that they believe that men are currently undervalued in society and that that's a problem. Um, now I'm going to come back later and I'll, I'll walk through, we can kind of assess there's an argument that they're right. People could argue that they're wrong, but this is something that they frequently will talk about that men currently are undervalued in our culture and that that's not good, that that's actually a very big problem that we need to deal with. Um, and finally, the, the fourth one is that men need to embrace a more traditional masculinity that involves ambition, leadership, and protection. So ambition in work and in making money and then even in physical fitness and just sort of to be ambitious and to not be lazy. Um, leadership within the world, but also within relationships, they would be big advocates for men being the leaders within romantic relationships. Um, and then protection, the idea that the man needs to take the responsibility for protecting the woman in his life. So just taking those right there, you, you could look at those and you could say, well, that doesn't necessarily seem bad, um, especially to a Bible-believing complementarian. Now, if you're an egalitarian or if, if, you're, if you're more on the feminist side of things, you would see problems with all of these things. But I'd say, all right, if, if we're Bible-believing Christians who are complementarians, then at least to a certain degree, we'd say, well, we, we probably agree with these things. We certainly agree that men and women are different. We are both created in the image of God. We have equal dignity before God, but male and female, he created them. And then all throughout the Bible, there's sort of different instructions and guidance given to men and women because we're not the same. So we'd be like, hey, on board with the idea that men and women are different. Um, are we on board with the idea that men have an important role to play in society? 100%. No, no Christian at all, and certainly no complementarian Christian should have any problem with that. that that's very good. Um, the idea that men are undervalued in our society. I could definitely see somebody saying, all right, that, that's just silly. Men still hold the highest positions of power. Men are still on a whole out earning women, that there still seem to be a lot of advantages in our society to being a man. And that would be the argument against the idea that men are undervalued. I, I don't think that these guys would say men are oppressed. They might, but, but at least they would say they're undervalued. Here is the argument in favor of the idea that men are currently undervalued in our culture. Um, and it would be uh, the kinds of things that you can say in public or in public discourse and not get pushback about. I think that there is very little doubt that there is some female privilege going on in that arena. Um, the, the simple example would just be, if there's some actress in Hollywood who does an interview and she says something to the effect of like, hey, I just, I just don't feel like I need a man in my life. Like, I, I just don't need that kind of sort of energy in my life right now. I, I don't need a man. Um, there would be some people, like the, the guys in the manosphere would definitely push back against that. She would not miss out on a movie role for saying that. There would not be sort of national blowback about that. If you had a man, a male actor in Hollywood who said something like, I just, I just don't feel like I need women in my life. I, I just, you know, I, I don't need that kind of feminine energy. I just, I don't feel like I need a woman in my life right now. 
he would be in deep danger of not getting roles. And so I bring that up just to say, yeah, the, the things that we say in public and just sort of the things we say flippantly or the things that end up on TV or the things that are said by politicians, these things have an overall impact on the value that men feel and, and feeling undervalued. And one of the reasons why I wanted to talk about that is because I think that this can happen in the church as well that there can be a sense of men feeling undervalued. Um, it, it, this can come sometimes just in things being said from the pulpit where it, it can kind of feel like we're almost trying too hard to talk about how great women are and they mostly kind of have their stuff together, but we as guys got to get our stuff together and we're sort of knuckleheads. Um, there can be that sort of mantra. There can be that sort of dialogue that's going on within the church. Um, and then also... This can be the kind of thing that happens when a couple is being ministered to, either by, when I say counseling, I, I don't necessarily mean formal counseling, but just they've gone to their pastor, they've gone to their small group leader, it's a married couple, they're, they're looking for some help in this. I think we can all absolutely imagine um, somebody saying to the man in the relationship, somebody saying to the husband, like, hey, you're not really loving your wife the way you're supposed to. You need to step it up and love your wife. I think nobody would have a qualm with that. Everybody would say, absolutely, that's in the Bible, Ephesians 5, he needs to be told that. The idea that in the same conversation, somebody could say to the wife, like, hey, you are not really respecting your husband, or you're not really submitting to your husband, you need to do that, you need to grow in this area. A, a lot of us, even right now in me talking about it, I know some of you are just sort of like, oh my gosh, my head is going to explode, you can't say that. I bring that up just to say, that is another reason why there could be this sense of men feeling undervalued and men feeling like, okay, I'm not even arguing with the idea that I, as a Christian man, have a calling to love my wife, but do we not believe that women sin too? Like, do we not believe that there's a calling for men and for women? So that's where some of that's coming from. So if you feel dismissive, if you're like, give me a break, men are not undervalued, that's where some of that would be coming from. And then the idea that men need to embrace a more traditional masculinity that involves ambition, leadership, and protection, I would say, I'm on board with all of that in the right way. Um, what is the ambition aimed at? Um, is it just fast cars and pretty girls and lots of money? Or is this just the idea of saying, stop being lazy and start being ambitious towards being successful in life? Um, and this is part of a matter of degree. I, I would say, this is my opinion, I, I think it's pretty demonstrable in our culture right now. But if you were to say, in our culture right now, what is the bigger problem with men? Is it that we have too many men who are sort of tyrannical, macho men who just need to be told, hey, be a little bit more gentle? Or is it that we have a whole bunch of wet noodles who are passive and are just not taking active leadership or ownership for their lives? For me, it's not even close. It's definitely the wet noodle syndrome going on. So when I hear men being called to be ambitious, I think, all right, we, we need to make sure this is aimed in the right direction. But I think that is the right direction for us to be calling. I don't think right now we need to say to most men, be less ambitious. I think men need to be more ambitious. I believe in male leadership. Um, that This doesn't mean that there's no setting for female leadership, but I believe in a special kind of male leadership. Men are called to be the head of the home. Men are called to take the responsibility and the leadership. 
that's a good gift from God, so that's a good thing. Um, protection, absolutely. I think the way that God has made us, there's a natural protective role that we as men take on. We're the ones that check for noises in the night. We we look to even if you're walking with your wife or or with a group of women, just to sort of put yourself in between um, them and somebody that even just potentially, you're like, I'm not sure if this guy is in his right mind or if he'd want to do harm. Those are very positive masculine things to do. So if we looked at all that, we could be like, hey, manosphere, thumbs up, go for it. This is great. Listen to Andrew Tate, listen to Myron Gaines, listen to Brian At like listen to these guys. Now, here are the problems. This isn't an exhaustive list, but I'll just bring up what I think are the three most glaring problems with at least these three in the manosphere. Um, one is that they advocate for male promiscuity, but female temperance. Um, there's a clear double standard um, where they'll talk about the idea, they'll talk a lot about body count and like men don't want women with a high body count who have slept with a lot of men. But when it comes to men, they, don't, they do not see this as a problem. And that they seem, I, I've heard several of them talk about this in terms of saying, you know, well, for men, men have to actually work to get sex. With women, if, if a woman wants to have sex with a man, she can probably find a man who will oblige her in that. But if a man wants to has, have sex, he has to sort of do work and woo a woman and find a way to do all this. So, so that's a lot of the reasoning behind this. As Christians, we should say, we, we could say, we're not on board with this at all. Um, it's not to say that male promiscuity and female promiscuity are going to have exactly the same impact. Um, they're not necessarily going to have exactly the same impact, but one is not more evil or sinful than the other. Men and women are both called to sexual temperance. We are all called to save ourselves for marriage and to keep sex within marriage. So certainly we'd see that in big red flag when we see that in the manosphere. Um, number two, and it, it's a little bit relating to it, is the idea that for the most part, these guys are not proponents of getting married and certainly not proponents of getting married young. And some of this is that they say, well, well, the system in, in the US is, is sort of rigged against men where you can work really hard, then you get a wife and she decides to leave you. And when she decides to leave you, she takes half of all the stuff that you've earned. And um, as far as, uh, as far as, um, Custody issues, men typically get the raw end of that. So you could say, all right, it, there certainly are, or, or there certainly is a strong argument that there are problems within our, our system um, that can disproportionately disadvantage man, men. I feel like the, the no-fault divorce just in general, which, which we have basically nationwide, but I think started in California, um, disadvantages men disproportionately, in my opinion. So you could say, all right, I, I get the idea of saying um, marriage, the way that we've set it up, it's it's not great for men, um, but it is not positive. As, as Christians, we want men and women to get married. Not every single one, but we want men and women to get married, partly because these guys aren't saying, men, don't get married, stay uh, stay, uh, stay celibate. Like, just, just stay celibate. That's not what they're saying. They're saying, basically, have a series of relationships and maybe even have a, a serious long-term relationship, but don't get married. Stay single within that. Um, the, the clearest depiction of this I heard was with Myron Gaines. He, he was asked... Um, when should a man get married? When, when would you advise a man to get married? And he had five things that he listed off that he said, be at least 35 years old, um, uh, make sure you've slept with at least 50 women, make sure you're making at least 100,000 a year, be in shape and have six months of savings. 
And so couched within all of that is the slept with at least 50 women. So uh, I bring this up to say, all right, if you're somebody that's kind of like, hey, the manosphere has got a bad rap and, and people don't understand it, there are some legitimately terrible things coming out of this movement and we need to be able to recognize it. Um, and the third major problem is the idea of sort of promoting conquest without benevolence. And this is where the ambition idea can, can become a big problem because ambition can be very good. But there is sort of this idea of you're, you're conquering, like you're, you're not only conquering in, in terms of seducing women, but you're conquering in terms of your work and in terms of your workout regimen and, and you're doing these different things. And there's a part of it that for us as men, it, it really appeals to say, yeah, like I'm, I'm meant to do battle and I'm meant to conquer. And so it can be very, very positive, but it is not for the sake of benevolence, which is the Christian idea of why, at least in, in the financial realm, why we're looking to earn, why we would look to be ambitious. It's to do a good job with what we've been given, but it's also so that we have something to share. So Ephesians 4, 28, um, the Apostle Paul says, anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. So the vision, even with the stealing, is sort of like, hey, don't be lazy, don't be a mooch, and certainly don't steal from other people. Work, get a job, work hard enough to earn some money so that you will have something to share. And I don't think any of these guys are advocating sort of a vision of um, men earning a lot so that they can benevolently help other people. Those are three problems with the manosphere. Those are pretty daunting problems. And, and so within that, you might say, all right, everything's going to have something good in it. These are pretty daunting problems. Why are we even talking about this? Why, why isn't just a, this just a non-starter that we should say, hey, all Christians just absolutely reject this, absolutely stay away from this. And the reason is this. The reason is that what the manosphere is pushing back against is not traditional biblical Christianity. What it's pushing back against is modern feminism. And here's why I think that that matters. The kind of men that are being drawn into this stuff um, uh, are not typically men who are happily married, and now they're going to listen to these guys and say, hey, I, I should go and leave my wife and be promiscuous. The kinds of men who are being drawn into this are the kinds of men who have adopted a kind of weak and subservient posture, sort of the, the wet noodle idea, like the best kind of man is a man that's just very, very flat and very, very gentle and very non-threatening. And suddenly they hear these guys talking about something else and it makes their spirit come alive a little bit. And they say, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm made to do battle and I'm made to be strong, and I do have something to offer to the world. They're pushing back against the whole I don't need no man idea. And, and suddenly these men are feeling like, oh gosh, I, I'm coming alive in, in the midst of this sort of modern feminist culture, and, and I'm finding something that's speaking to my soul. That matters immensely. And the reason that that matters immensely is that if, if there's a guy, I mean, first of all, if, if you're a guy listening to this and you're like, yeah, I, I kind of am into those guys. I kind of like that stuff. Or if you're somebody who's not into it, but you have a son or you have a husband or a friend and you're like, gosh, they really seem to be drawn into this. If your response is just to be like, this is bad. This is not Christian. Just stay away from this. 
what they might end up hearing, the message that uh, I would say they might and, and even could be likely to get from that would be the message of reject that, go back to the wet noodle. Go back to just the simple, passive, non-threatening man. That is not what we want. So it's not that I, I'm not an advocate for, for, um, for these guys that I'm talking about. I do not think on the whole, it is good for men to look to Andrew Tate, Myron Gaines, and Brian Atlas as, as people who are helping to shape them. I think there are individual videos and individual video clips that if you saw them, you'd be like, I, I agree with everything said right there. I think everything said right there was good and was good for men. On the whole, we as men are not going to be led in a good direction with these guys as our mentors. Uh, what I'd say is um, they are uh, a poor solution to a legitimate problem. They're a poor solution, but we need to recognize there is a legitimate problem. There is something going on here that that men are being drawn into. And if our, our alternative is just sort of modern, you know, Gen gentle, passive manhood, it's its not better. Uh, you could actually make a good argument. This would be an interesting debate point to say, which would be worse, to, to have a bunch of men that are sort of strong and ambitious, but are experiencing the excesses of the manosphere, or uh, men that are just absolutely passive and sort of hapless, like which one is actually worse for men? I think you could make an argument on either side. I think because our culture is so full of sort of the passive hapless men that are like I, I just need to tone down my testosterone and my toxic toxicity i get how we ended up with these we, we ended up with andrew tate not because there was a whole bunch of good biblical masculinity going on we ended up with this because there was the wet noodle idea that that was uh, that that was a result of a lot of modern feminism within this so so i think that this is important we, we, when we're looking at this, when we're looking at somebody that's caught up in this stuff, we'd say, all right, these are not men who are looking for an alternative to the to ideas like, hey, uh, to Christian ideas like rule your body and save sex for marriage. In fact, I'm obviously ne never going to be on any of these podcasts, but I would bet if if me and Karina, if, if me and my wife were on one of these podcasts, if we were on Fresh and Fit or if we were on the whatever podcast, they would they would not um, look at us as people that they needed to sort of like try to try to destroy or or try to take down a peg. If we got on there and we said, "Hey, we we save sex for marriage. Um, we've we've been married for twenty two years now. We've been faithful to each other. Um, I I'm the head of the household. I I take leadership within within the household, and she submits to me. But it's a really we we try to have it be a really harmonious partnership. The idea that for the first bunch of years of our marriage, she really for the most part, Karina for the most part didn't work because she was helping to raise our kids and was really focusing on the home. These guys would not look at that and be like, we're we're going to poke holes in that. So, so I think that the reason that that's important is that the men being drawn into this aren't looking at that and being like, well, I don't want that. They're looking at the modern sort of man-hating, man-degrading culture that we're in, and they're like, I don't want that. They're not looking for an alternative, I think, to biblical, faithful masculinity. They're not also looking for an alternative to the idea of get married and stay married. Um, I think one of the things that's missed in all this is one of the reasons why there are men advocating for the idea that you don't get married or you don't get married to a certain point is because currently in our culture, 70 to 80% of divorces are initiated by women. Now, no doubt, 
some percentage of that are cases where the man has basically already left. You know, he's having an affair and has basically already abandoned her, but she's just the one who actually files for divorce. But that should be staggering to us to say the vast majority of marriages, the one who's initiating the end of it is the woman. So we're not in a society right now where we have a whole bunch of women that are like, I just want to get married and stay married, but men are abandoning them. It is the other way around. So when we're looking at this, it, it's important to at least have some sympathy and say, all right, I, I get how you would be suspicious of this. Men aren't looking for an alternative to the idea of being a benevolent leader in your marriage relationship. This isn't a case where men are being told, be a benevolent leader, but then they're like, no, I want to be a tyrannical leader. They're being told like, I... I think that I am called to be the leader. I think that I am called to take benevolent leadership in this. We have something to offer as far as the Bible is concerned. Um, they're not looking for an alternative to work hard and provide for your family. And they're not looking for an alternative to the idea of don't apologize for being a man with masculine energy. They're not rejecting those things. What they are rejecting is the idea that men are the problem and that testosterone is toxic. They are rejecting that idea and they should reject that idea. They're rejecting the idea that men will be better if they're nice and calm and gentle and harmless. They should reject that idea. Men should not be harmless. They're rejecting the idea that men need to apologize for messing up the world. There's a lot of men that are like, hey, we actually did some good things as men. We actually built some great things that there's real value with men in the world. They're rejecting that. They should reject that. They're rejecting the whole sort of adage of, I don't need no man. We should all reject that. And they're rejecting, as already mentioned, or they're pushing back against the idea that women are primarily the ones ending marriages, or at least legally initiating the end of marriages right now. Those are the things that they're pushing back against. And so we're in a position as the church, we're in a position as Christians to say they're pushing back against things that they should push back against, that they should reject. And we have God's word and we have a richer, better vision for masculinity than Andrew Tate or Myron Gaines or Brian Atlas, or even as much as I often like him, even Jordan Peterson. We have a richer view of masculinity to be able to present. So here's what I, I want to advocate for. Here's suggestions that I have about what we do. And when I say what we do, I'm speaking broadly as a church. I'm even speaking of myself as a pastor, but I'm also speaking about how, uh, how we interact with men in general and how we interact with men that are drawn towards the manosphere. Um, number one, say, be careful about villainizing the manosphere. I've already said, I think that on the whole, this is not a good direction for men to go, but make sure if you're critiquing the manosphere, that people know what you're critiquing about it and that you're not critiquing the idea that there's a positive, uh, uh, that there's a positive contribution that men are made to make and that it's better for men to be men than for men to be women. Make sure they understand you're not critiquing that. Um, number two, cultivate a positive view of masculinity within the church. As I already said earlier, too many times in the church, we, we've been a little bit guilty of this. And we've been guilty of almost apologizing for the idea of male leadership. The idea of like, well, we've got only male elders. We're sorry for that. God made us. Um, yeah, wives are supposed to submit to their husbands. We're sorry. It's not our idea. It's God's idea. We, we wish it wasn't this way. We need to stop apologizing for this and say, God is wise. This is good. 
This is good for humanity. This isn't just good for men. This is good for men. This is good for women. This is good for children. This is good for society. So we need to stop apologizing for things that God has said are wise and call men to something that's good and to affirm that it's good when they step into this. Um, we need to stop acting like women are better than men. This goes along with, with what I was talking about earlier. Just sort of subtle things that we put in there of like, yeah, women kind of have this together, but men are knuckleheads. We, we all have sin. If we are not acknowledging that men have sin that needs to be dealt with, but women also have sin that needs to be dealt with, not only are we doing a disservice to men, but we are not properly shepherding women. We all have sins. We all need to be called to holiness in those. Um, finally, just a couple more. We need to champion healthy ambition, strength, toughness, and leadership in men. We need to say, to say these are good things. The fact that you're ambitious to work hard and to earn a living, that's 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 not something that's just dangerous that you need to put down. That is a positive thing. God has made you for that. Now let's harness that in the right direction. The fact that you want to be a leader within your home, if, if you're a married man, that is good. That is good. That is godly. Now let's harness that and make sure that you don't become a tyrant. We need to cultivate these things and champion these things. And finally, we need to champion faithfulness, self-control, and sacrifice. Once again, one of the things to me that's that's most broken about these guys in the manosphere is that there is not a sense of uh, of championing faithfulness and self control, or the idea that if men are are built to be strong, are built to be warriors, faithfulness and self control are key parts of this. It is easier to break up a marriage than to hold a marriage together. It is easier to be passive in your marriage than to be an active leader. And it is easier to be unfaithful to your wife and to your commitments than to be strong and faithful to what you've promised to do. We have a better vision of masculinity than the manosphere, but maybe too many of us have been hiding it. Maybe too many of us have drank the Kool-Aid of modern feminism and of the culture around us. Maybe the manosphere showed up not because Christianity's vision of masculinity wasn't good, but because we basically abdicated uh, abdicated our position and started saying something different. We have something better to offer. And if you're a man and you feel kind of like, I, I felt like these guys are the only guys that I can turn to, there are good, godly Christian men that are speaking into this space. And you will find good, godly Christian men within your church who will champion, who will absolutely advocate for you to be truly a man, but a man after God's own heart. Um, well, I don't know what you think after listening to this. Again, for some of you, you might feel like all of this is new territory to me. I don't even know still completely what we're talking about. Um, some of you may feel like this, this was confusing. Some of you might feel like this was helpful. I hope that this was helpful. I hope that this made you think not just about these guys in the manosphere, but broadly about how we're relating as men and women in our culture and in our church. And as always, I invite comments, questions, feedback, pushback. I ask for polite pushback if there's gonna be pushback, um, but you can leave comments on our videos. We have all the videos of The Christian Contrast on YouTube, on our YouTube channel for uh, Life Bible Fellowship Church. And then we also have them all up on our website at lbf.church. So if you found this helpful, you can go back and listen to past episodes. I always try to keep up with comments and questions 
questions to see if there's some interaction to be had. This is certainly a topic where there could be a lot of interaction about this, and this probably won't be the last time we delve into this subject, at least in a general way. So thanks so much for taking the time to watch and to listen to this. We'll be back in two weeks with a brand new episode of The Christian Contrast. Until then, thanks so much for taking the time to listen. Thank you.